those crazy people, even one of them, is more valuable than all of what we hold valuable. And that's what he thinks about every human life. And if it took destroying our whole way of life to make that point to us, that's what he would do. Welcome to the Essentially Translatable Podcast, brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. I'm Rich Rodowski. And I'm Emily Wilson. And today we have a sermon series episode where Reverend Dr. Rich Rodowski is a preacher on the campus of Concordia Seminary St. Louis. But before we listen into that sermon, can you share a little bit about what inspired you in being able to preach to the, the seminary students. Sure, this was a passage, and it's kind of a weird passage in, in our cultural and, and sociological background, this uh, passage where Jesus goes and drives a demon out of a guy into a herd of pigs, and the pigs go over. So that's a reasonably familiar story, but also there's a lot that's kind of weird going on there. And so some years back in my uh, early days working in Bible translation, I'd heard about a language community in Africa that had wrestled with that story in an oral listening group, and, and uh, a colleague of mine who had observed those interactions was reporting how they interacted with that story and what the different details of that meant to them and how that stood out. And, and the, you know, kind of a takeaway from the message is just ultimately there is there's something good and, and good to be wrestled with there that um, God has done something good and, and raised questions that make us value other people. And I don't know if I'm going to take away too much from what's in there coming up, but that's, I think, one of the takeaways in the in the audio of the sermon file itself is like, I don't know if this is right or not, but it seems good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the initial audience for this sermon was the students and uh, their families at the Concordia Seminary St. Louis campus. And it's really those trips were aimed at individuals being able to participate more fully in God's mission through Bible translation ministry, Mm -hmm. focusing in on recruitment of people who felt called to serve as missionaries. And if that is something that the Lord is leading you to, is serving in his mission, we want to encourage you to reach out to us at recruiter at lbt.org that if you want to explore what it means to serve as a missionary in the Bible translation movement and if there is a good fit for that. So just as you're reflecting on this uh, sermon, just want to encourage you all to be praying for uh, language communities around the world as they are diving into God's word and wrestling with it and what it means to be transformed by it. Imagine with me, if you will, the scene in a northern African village outside of, actually outside the village in northern Ghana, West Africa. A few trees, some shade, about 200 people gathered together. A missionary has been there working with the people and uh, has helped them with uh, a Bible translation, has provided a, a recording of the text in the Gospel of Mark, and folks are listening to it. They've been, as a group, this is their church. They've been listening to the Word of God. Literacy is rare uh, in this language. There's never been writing before. The only book in the language is the New Testament in this language. And so the folks are gathered together, and they hear this story 
from Mark chapter five, they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasenes and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain for he had often been bound with shackles and chains but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones and when he saw Jesus from afar he ran and fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice he said, what have you to do with me Jesus son of the most high God I adjure you by God do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us into the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd Numbering about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country and the people came to see what it was that had happened and they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region and the people have been listening and the recording stops and they jolt back to reality because they've been following the story and there's quiet, and there's a low hum of noise and then they begin talking about it. Wow, that was an amazing story. Can you believe what happened in that story? He said, yeah. The man, he was crazy. That was, that was unbelievable that he, he was clothed and in his right mind. And the missionary's watching this from the side and he's starting to think what the people are focusing on and, and they're talking about these things and then they say, did it say that all the pigs were destroyed? And they go back and wind a little, yeah, it said every, all the pigs rushed down were destroyed. And they said, did it say Jesus gave them permission to do that? And they go and says, yeah, Jesus gave them permission. And then somebody pipes up and says, did Jesus offer to reimburse those people for those pigs? And uh, they're starting to think and, and the missionary is watching and he realizes this story is hitting these people on a whole different level than it's ever hit you or me because he's thinking these folks, their whole economy is also pigs. They have herds of pigs, big communal herds of pigs outside of their village and they have a few herd boys that go out there and take care of them and so these guys, they're really processing this story on a whole different level and so they start to say, why would Jesus do this? Why would he go and destroy the, the pigs? Why would he do this to these people? And there's a whole lot of, uh, it starts to get a little bit rowdy, a lot of communication and finally one of the elders stands up and he calls for people to quiet down and he says, we the elders listen to this story before and we've been discussing it for some time. We thought it was a good story to bring to, to, to you, the people. Because we believe that uh, there's an important lesson for us here. And he said, now, when you hear about this man, this demon-possessed man, do we not have people like this in our villages? And the people said, oh yeah, there's, there's, and it's true, there's people like this in there. 
they're often outside of the village. They're, they're kind of kept away because they're dangerous and they do things, they hurt people, they steal. And so they're pushed out to the edge. And so they said, oh yeah, there's people like this. And he says, and these people in this story, they had pigs just like us, didn't they? Oh yes, of course, we have pigs. You know, pigs are life. And they said, and we love our pigs, don't we? Of course we love our pigs. He said, the people, you know, pigs are, are I mean, pigs are life, right? And uh, so they... They have a little conversation about this, keep talking about this, and the, uh, the man says, now this, these crazy people that are around our villages, they're worthless, aren't they? He says, oh yeah, I mean, these people, they, they don't do anything productive for society, they, they even harm society, they're worthless. And he says, but our pigs, I mean, that's valuable, right? So, oh yeah, I mean, pigs, that is where it's at. You can, you know, and they start, <laughs> there's a lot of discussion. You can, if you have a pig, and if you have two pigs, you know, you can make more pigs. And then if you're hungry, you could actually eat some of the pigs, right? Or if you need to pay for your kids to go to school for fees and uniforms, you can sell the pigs. So pigs, that's valuable stuff right there. And he said, we would rather, like, one of these crazy people would just disappear or, or whatever than anything happen to even one of our pigs, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, the pigs... I mean, they're valuable. These guys are worthless. And he said, well, we think that Jesus is teaching the people in this village that those crazy people, even one of them, is more valuable than all of the pigs, all of what we hold valuable. And that's what he thinks about every human life. And if it took destroying our whole way of life to make that point to us, that's what he would do. Of course, that's why the people are afraid. Of course, that's why they asked Jesus to leave. They were afraid. He just destroyed their entire way of life, and he would do that to us too if that's what it took for us to grasp that every single person is important. And the missionary is like, <laughs> watching from the side, and, and the people, they're afraid now. They say, do you think Jesus is gonna do this to us, that, that we're gonna lose our whole way of life and destroy pigs? Is this what it means? to follow Christ and the elder said no no just one thing that's very important is this story when you hear it in Mark it's happened before Jesus went to the cross before Jesus suffered and died and so we have treated these people badly and Jesus is calling us now that we know to treat them better but he can forgive us for what we've done we're forgiven because of the cross. They turn to the missionary, isn't that right? And it's, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, they really, they, they really got it. And so the people from that point in this village um, began to treat these crazy people around the, the village better and, and said, well, what else does this mean? If every human life, even these people are important, what about the women that are working, that are with us? What about our girls? What about the small boys that we send to the herds? Is every single life this valuable to Christ? And it changed, it began to change how they saw things in their community by grace because they say, okay, we've been doing this wrong for all these years, but Christ has forgiven us and called us by the cross to live and walk according to his way and love people the way he does. Now, the missionary hears that story and maybe, and I guess my, my thought for you as, as uh, professors in the church, as students and future leaders in the church, maybe it's one of the questions you might ask is, well, did they get that right? Is that, is that right? Is that what that text actually means? You know, I don't know. Our, uh, 
hermeneutics and isagogics books would say, well, stuff that's contextually based that the original audience would have gotten out of a text like this, if it's not clear in the text, then it wouldn't be if the original audience is just kind of hearing all that. Um, we can't know that for sure, so we can't say definitively that's what the case is, but we do have to admit, we, I mean, we do well to admit that when we come from our Western culture, suburban culture, we miss a lot of those things that people might have picked up on in the original text, so there's something there. And really just kind of a challenge for us who, who proclaim the gospel, we need to take the opportunity sometimes to receive the gospel and just to hear good news even in an unexpected way and from a source that we didn't expect and in a way we didn't expect. It's too easy to sit there and say, yeah, that was good law and gospel. That was that one quite right, but it was close to judge and to diagnose and not to just receive the good news. And there was good news in that story for those people, and I think there's good news for us. And as an encouragement to, again, those of you who are gonna be the, the leaders and leaders in the church, we wanna be connected with how God is working around the world because we learn, we benefit, we gain. Uh, mission can sometimes be seen as something and has kind of developed into something that we go and do for people, but it's so much more enriching if we go and do it with people and then we stand back and let them do it and experiment and get it right or get it wrong, but hear and see and learn different aspects or different truths that we may not have been seeing or noticing from Scripture and at least bring that, consider that, perhaps share that with our people so they can also be encouraged about how God's at work in the world. And um, if any of you, the, the text that was read over here that I blatantly didn't preach on, <laughs> the father told the son to go and one said he would go and didn't go, one said he wouldn't go but ended up going. Maybe some of you, God is saying go and you're thinking, well, I'm not sure I wanna go. Or maybe he's told you to go and you say, yeah, okay, I'm gonna go but okay, I'm really not gonna go. Anyways, the, the, the Lord bless you and guide you in that decision and whether you go or whether you're leading a church and shepherding God's people, you have an important role to keep the vision bigger and broader and to see and show how God's working around the world. And uh, may God bless you in doing that and uh, may you always be willing and joyful recipients of his good news. Amen. Every time I hear that story, the, the biggest takeaway for me is just to imagine what it's like to wrestle with God's word without the different cultural background I have or the different assumptions or the things that I've ignored and for every detail to stand out and, mm -hmm. and possibly have some kind of meaning. That's what I just think is really a cool part of watching language communities that are experiencing God's word in their language for the first time all that is is before them to choose from and wrestle with and deal with is is really cool I think to the the questions I whenever I shared this story in a recruitment setting of presenting to university students or seminary students of the questions that were asked of wait a second, did Jesus offer to reimburse this person? Right. And what happened next? And that natural curiosity of being able to look at the text with new eyes, exactly, to hear it with new ears, and the openness of heart to just explore and to walk in with a humility as well to say, I don't know all of the answers, mm -hmm. and that's going to be okay. Yep. Um, 
but to just be willing to be transformed and to to see how God is working through different cultures to sharpen the church as a whole. I think that that was the chief takeaway for me. And as I shared with presentations, it's like how we're enriching one another in the body of Christ through these kinds of interactions. Because with a new lens and a new perspective, even if it's not what we think, that we have something to to gain as the body of believers as a whole. Yep, definitely. Just seeing those perspectives and asking different questions will take you different places, and it's all an adventure and, and a great blessing. Thank you for listening to the Essentially Translatable podcast brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. You can find past episodes of the podcast at lbt.org slash podcast or subscribe on Audible, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Lutheran Bible Translators' social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or go to lbt.org to find out how you can get involved in the Bible translation movement and put God's Word in their hands. The Essentially Translatable podcast is produced and edited by Andrew Olson. Our executive producer is Emily Wilson. Podcast artwork was designed by Caleb Rodewald and Sarah Rodowski. Music written and performed by Rob Veit. I'm Rich Rodowski. So long for now.